Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. Hey, everyone, and welcome back to Big Mad True Crime, where we get big mad over true crime. I'm your host, Heather Ashley, and today you'll be hearing part two of the Justin Burt case. We're going to start right where we left off last week. So with all of that being said, small talk sucks. So let's dive in. While all of this was happening, the media wasn't talking about Justin's disappearance at all. The community knew about it because you guys had gone on this full-fledged mission to make sure that everyone knew to be on the lookout for him, what he looked like, who he was. So tell everyone a little bit about everything that you did to spread the awareness about his disappearance. So firstly, I know we went to all of our personal Facebook accounts. We made the Bring Justin homepage. We made paper flyers. We went door to door. We made, I think we spent a little under $1,000 on like yard signs and highway banners that we put up everywhere. And they were big signs. So we had about three of the big ones and we put those out by the interstates. And then the rest of them were the smaller yard signs, like similar to the election signs. And my mom actually still has hers up in her yard to this day. Now, Justin was last seen in the early morning hours of September 4th, but it wasn't until October 6th that the media finally started writing about him. And what they did share was pretty vague, just that he had disappeared more than a month ago walking along Angelina Road, which is debatable. But they did manage to include the fact that he had been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. We've talked about this in cases before where it does kind of pigeonhole a victim, especially to the public, when that is the one detail that you do report on. So so our initial reaction, we were really mad because the way that it read, it made it seem like you were more in danger than he was. Like it almost you know, made him look like he was the problem. (gasps) Be on the lookout for him. Um, He is bipolar. What does his bipolar have to do with the fact that he is missing? Did it make you feel like even if people did see him, they weren't going to call now? Yeah, or they would avoid him because they made it seem like, you know, he's the one that you should be scared of. So I know that we raised a little bit of stink over it. The community actually felt the same way we did about it. And I know they had 
commented on the flyer on Facebook and the sheriff's office actually went back in and edited it and changed it to take that part out and eventually added more of his physical description as well. And that's going to be a common theme in this case. You mentioned the community raised a stink as well. And while the articles that came out finally about Justin's disappearance were pretty lackluster and upsetting, the comments did not disappoint. If the media wasn't going to tell the whole story, your friends and family definitely were. There was a guy named Brad who wondered why he had been seeing all of this for about a month and the media was just now finally talking about it. And an account under the name of Derek and Jessica questioned why the article had left out any information about the last people he had seen. The Derek and Jessica account mentioned that they had either left town or were hiding and then went so far as to share photos of both Nicole and Brandon. I think in the beginning, we were hesitant to put Brandon and Nicole's info out there because we didn't want to be able to get you know, in any type of trouble for that. But once the community started doing it, we were like, you know what, whether we get in trouble for it or not, it's the right thing to do. They need to be spoken with. So that's what we started pushing for. So following all of the media attention on Justin's case, the investigation really seemed to pick up. Do you think it was due to public pressure or was there more going on behind the scenes that just so happened to coincide with the media finally taking his case on? I think it was a little bit of both, uh, the public pressure and things going on behind the scenes. That's when the case really started to ramp up and get attention, not just from the media, but I think around that time is when the sheriff's office finally you know, got tips or whatever they needed to be able to take it seriously like we had been the whole time. Was this around the time where the search warrant started on the neighbor's house? Yes. So I think what gave them the ability to do the search warrant is the neighbor's tip that evening about hearing fighting outside of their residence. They said that they had seen their vehicle outside of their garage with the trunk open and they heard four loud bangs. The vehicle was driven into the garage. The garage door closed. The lights went out and everything became silent. And there are timestamps that the detectives know of because that witness was texting someone at the time that it happened, explaining to them what was going on. So I think between the fact that Justin hadn't been seen or heard from, Nicole and Brandon hadn't came forward. And with that witness statement that they were able to get the search warrant to go in. How did the police wind up finding out about this witness in the first place? The witness was someone that we had talked to when we went door to door. So that was included in our timeline. And then I do know that the detectives did go door to door as well. So I assume that they also talked to the witness in person. This was across the street from your your mom's house. So was she or DJ home when this happened? Yes, they were actually both home. They said that they saw him take out a couple boxes, a mop actually, and that the overall process of it was quick. And our heads were like, oh, that's damning because, you know, whatever they found, quick. We're not going to go into a ton of detail about what they found because this is still in the court system, but what they did find was pretty damning, and I can only assume how hard it was for you guys to learn about exactly what that was. Yeah, it was definitely, not that it didn't feel real to begin with, but it kind of just solidified our concerns the whole time were valid. 
Even though the investigation was definitely ramping up finally more than a month in at this point, were you starting to gain some confidence in the police department or was there a lack of trust there? I know that you had done a lot of your own investigation when it came to, you know, dealing with Nicole and just trying to get as much information as you can. You guys hired a PI as well, didn't you? Yes, we hired PI within the first couple of days. And PIs are not cheap. How did you guys manage to take on that extra expense while you're also trying to live your life that's still going on around you, even though it feels like your world has frozen? So for the initial down payment for the PI, my husband and I withdrew some of our savings. And then the community actually helped a lot. We did fundraisers, at least four fundraisers that I can think of that were very successful. We sold shirts and wristbands and car decals, just little things that we could think of to do to keep the awareness and, you know, hopefully to for the PI to help us find some leads to, you know, figure out where he was. And as far as the police, I wouldn't say that I felt like I was gaining trust in them. Um, just, you know, how spited we felt in the beginning. I think we were all just trying to remain hopeful that they would do what we had been doing and more, you know, since they're police and they can do things that we couldn't. Um, So it was kind of just a waiting game to see how things would work out. You made several public Facebook posts that broke my heart. One of them talked about how every single day that passed got harder and harder and that you felt guilty every time that you laid your head down at night. Can you tell everybody about that? So initially uh, it was you know, just shock and worry. And then every day that passed, the worry just intensified the anxiety. Me personally, if I wasn't doing something to help the case or, you know, find information that I could, I didn't feel like I was doing everything that I could for my brother. And I would have these moments at night where I would lay down and feel a bit peaceful or that first, you know, the first like 30 seconds or so when you wake up in the morning and it's just peacefulness and then you would feel guilt, you know, for feeling okay when God knows what was going on with Justin or or where he was. This episode is sponsored by Care Of. Hey guys, the new year is right around the corner and Care Of wants to celebrate you with a personalized experience that'll help you feel your youest because let's face it, you're way too adorable and unique to mess with sameness. Care Of is a subscription service that ships high quality personalized vitamins, supplements, and powders conveniently to your door every month. The beginning of my personal vitamin journey was a little bit confusing, but I found care of and the rest is history. I took their super simple online quiz about my lifestyle and health goals, and they asked me a bunch of questions that wouldn't have occurred to me when it comes to figuring out which vitamins I should take for me and my body, like how often I eat dairy and what my stress levels were looking like at the time. Obviously, those are only two of the questions, but you get where I'm going here. Because I don't eat a ton of dairy, they actually recommended a calcium supplement, 
and because I am indeed a tiny bit stressed because I like to overcommit to pretty much everything in my life, they recommended ashwagandha. And when they recommended these things, they weren't just like, oh, here, take this, trust us. They explained exactly why they recommended the vitamins they did, and I was able to then go in and pick which ones I wanted to incorporate into my daily routine. Carov's vitamins are curated with researched back ingredients and optimal doses, and I just love how educated I have felt throughout this entire process. Like I mentioned earlier, Carov's vitamins ship right to your door every month and come in these adorable little daily packs, so I'm not left opening a bunch of different bottles all morning long. I know I'm being dramatic here, but seriously, it can be a lot. I can just throw these little packs in my bag when I'm on the go, or I can even pop a few in my suitcase for when I'm traveling. Consistency is such an important part of change, and I cannot say enough amazing things about how simple Care-of has made all of this for me. The way that I feel pre-vitamin life versus post-vitamin life is night and day, and Care-of has made it so simple. For 50% off your first Care-of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code BIGMAD50. For 50% off your first Care-of order, go to TakeCareOf.com and enter code BIGMAD50. In mid-October, you made another post about how you knew the justice system was slow, but you didn't realize how slow it was until you were in the middle of it. Yeah, so I grew up watching like the first 48 and listening to true crime podcasts. So I've always heard victims' families say, oh, the wheels of justice turn slow. And it wasn't until this happened that I realized how slow it is because you have to wait on search warrants and DNA results and just because you have a court hearing doesn't mean that that is a trial. I think I've been to at least 20 court hearings over the past few years. Most of them get rescheduled or they're still waiting on something. And each time it gets pushed back, it's just slowing that proverbial wheel down where you have to wait and keep reminding yourself that you have to be patient. It's like every time it feels like there's a step forward, it's literally a step back. Yeah. How many get continued or crazy things happen? The power goes out, which we'll talk about later. But, you know, you're hoping that this is going to be the time where something moves forward and nine times out of 10, it's just not the case. Yeah, it's it's never the case. <laughs> While you're processing all of this and learning firsthand how slow the justice system works, wasn't Justin's birthday coming up? Yes. So Justin went missing on September 4th and his 33rd birthday would have been October 19th. And Justin loved his birthday. He loved a, an excuse to celebrate. So I think that in itself was difficult because we knew that if Justin was okay, there's not only would he not have reached out this entire time, but he wouldn't have missed his birthday. My son's first birthday was actually September 7th. He loved that boy. He loved that boy. He adored Cooper. He would tell his friends that Cooper made him want to be better and do better. Like he wanted to try to figure out how to get a job and keep a job because he wanted to show Cooper that you could do anything if you set your mind to. Like Cooper made him want to be better. And there's no way that he would have missed that baby's birthday or his own birthday or Matt and DJ's birthdays that were also in October. 
Thanksgiving that followed, Christmas that followed, New Year's, he wouldn't have missed that. There was no question at this point that something bad had happened. You just didn't know what yet. Yeah, there's no question in our mind. I remember you mentioning once that when Justin would come over and play with Coop, you would actually have to to beg to get your child back. Yeah, we we would fight over it because, you know, he was so little and cute then and he was a mama's boy and I would get jealous a little bit if he'd be playing too long and be like, okay, give me my baby back. He's like, no, you see him all the time. Uncle Juddy is here and we're having dudes time. So back off. (laughs) Does Coop remember him? I don't think he necessarily remembers him because he was so young, but he definitely knows who he is. I tell him stories about Justin all the time. We have photos of him up. When he was little, he used to call, like point at his picture and say, Juddy or Mama's Juddy or that's Bubba. Because that's what I would call Justin is my Bubba. And now that he's older, we were planning his fourth birthday party earlier this year. And I was asking him who he wanted me to invite. And he said, Uncle Juddy. So I had to explain like he's not going to be there in person you know, like mommy and daddy will be, but he's going to be there in your heart. Cause like, he's always here with us. There's times too, that I swear Justin is here and like egging Cooper on. Cause I'll be like, Cooper, Ryan, don't you dare do that. And he'll like look away and then he'll look back at me and he'll do whatever I told him not to with like this huge zealousness. So I'm like, Justin is here. And he's like, <sighs> Cooper, you better do that. Yeah. Cooper, buddy, do that. <laughs> Oh, I love that. <laughs> when he was little too at my mama's house, because um, when my mama was passing away, she would actually say that she would like see Justin. Oh, that's a thing. And things like that. Yeah. And that is Cooper a thing. would point like to the opposite oh. side of the room and nothing would be there. And he'd say, Juddy. Oh, no. Kids, kids have like a closer bridge to the other side. Yeah. 10 out of 10 believe this. I truly believe that kids can see spirits. I do too. And I know that all these people who work in like palliative care, and I think that's the right word, and then hospice. And when my own grandfather was passing a few years ago, they see people who have already crossed over. They're like helping them Mm -hmm. with their transition. I totally believe this is real. Please tell me the rest of the story. (laughs) So it was was just little things like that. My grandma would say that, you know, Justin was like holding her hand or by her bedside or like giving her like positive affirmations, like that kind of thing. It's so wild. Oh. And that gave me peace too, because I know that when she would eventually go, that Justin would be there waiting for her, like to welcome her. 100%. It's like one thing I think that helped me a lot when she passed is knowing that when she passed, they would be reunited. Like I kept telling my mom, just like, just imagine how beautiful that reunion is, you know? Oh, well, I didn't expect to cry there. Oh, I love this for you, though. (laughs) Like, I truly love that you guys had that moment. Like, you know, he was there. You know it. Coop could see it. Grandma could see it. And even though, like, you couldn't, you know it. I know it in my heart. It's so wild. Oh, I love that so much. At this point, have police been able to make any contact with Brandon or Nicole? Or are they trying to at all? They have not been able to make contact. 
we knew that Brandon and Nicole were okay though, because they had talked to their family and we knew of those conversations, but they had never went forward to the police to say, Hey, like I heard this is what's going on. This is what I know. If you don't have anything to hide, you're not going to hide. Period. Well, it sounds like police had a reason to be looking for Nicole because on November 4th, so two months after Justin disappeared, she was arrested. A Wave 3 article said that she allegedly made a confession to allegedly stabbing a man, then driving him to Indiana and them, emphasis on them, forcing him into the Ohio River. Had you guys been notified about any of this before it hit the media? No, uh, that was the first time that we had heard. We knew she had been arrested, but we did not know about any of the statements that she had made. What was it like getting that information on a computer screen? It was my first instinct was I was just angry. And then the hurt kind of set in. Like You feel like you're being punched in the gut. It was we found out from someone, I don't even think we knew this person, tagging us in that article that they had posted. So it it just comes out of left field. Gosh, I can't even imagine. For a really long time, no one who did publish an article would clarify that the man she allegedly admitted to stabbing was Justin, but eventually that did become more clear in the public eye. Was there ever a moment in any time where you were unaware that it was Justin she was referencing, or did you know the entire time? We knew the entire time. There was no way that it wasn't Justin with everything that we knew. Did you believe her confession when you heard it? I don't know if we necessarily believed it because at this point we had a lot better of an understanding about the type of person that Nicole is. So I think we kind of just took it as, you know, took it with a grain of salt, but we knew that she had done something or they had done something, whether it's what she allegedly confessed to or not. Because we have this statement from the neighbor that mentions hearing loud bangs, and that certainly doesn't coincide with her stabbing Justin. So that definitely doesn't add up. And she seemed to only be implicating herself, but maybe it was misrepresented in the media. But it says that plural people took him across state lines, which would, by the way, if this crime crossed state lines would qualify her for federal charges if the federal government decided to take these charges on. The plurality of her saying that they or them crossed the state lines and forced him into the river, it makes it seem like there's someone else involved, like perhaps maybe Brandon, even though she is the one who seems to have allegedly confessed to stabbing Justin. Yeah, we didn't believe that Brandon was not involved just for, I guess, like the scientific part of it. Justin wasn't a big man by any means, but when Nicole was arrested, she was very small. So in our heads, if she did do something to Justin, she would not have been able to move him or transport him or anything alone. She would have to have help for that. An overpowering stabbing someone is, and I hate even having this conversation with anyone, let alone you, because you're an amazing human. Stabbing someone is very close and personal. And the idea of her overpowering Justin and being able to do all of this with him alone just seems so unlikely. Yeah, very unlikely. That, that was our thought from the beginning. 
Now, Nicole wasn't alone when she was arrested, was she? No. They were located because a be on the lookout was issued for both of them. They were actually found at a hotel in Ohio uh, together. And since Brandon didn't have any priors, Nicole was the only one that was able to be arrested because she had skipped probation for previous charges. So they took Nicole in and Brandon had spoke with the detective. He said he would stay there and wait for him so they could talk. And when the detective got there, he was gone. And from there, he went on the run and evaded law enforcement for, I believe, 18 months or so. Absolutely insane. And we're going to get into more of that later. But yeah, you can't take anything Brandon says and believe it at this point. No, neither one of them. I think it's interesting that Nicole seems to have really strong ties to Ohio, but she wasn't staying with her family. She was staying in a hotel. Right. That We, we had that same thought. If you leave Ohio, supposedly they went to Ohio that weekend for a family reunion. And then when the family reunion is over, why would you not come back to your home, but instead go to a hotel that's within 30 minutes of your home? That doesn't make any sense to me. And when you plan a trip for a family reunion, you generally make a plan for someone to take care of your animals as well. And it seems pretty clear that that wasn't put in place before they decided to head off to Ohio hours or the day after, really hours, their neighbor disappeared after last being seen at their home. In summary, sounds like she's full of shit. So we know that Nicole had priors, and that's one of the reasons they were able to go after her, but she was actually charged in connection to Justin's disappearance. Can you talk a little bit about her charges? Yeah, so after she was arrested, she was eventually indicted on three charges. It was assault with serious physical injury, kidnapping, and tampering with physical evidence. When you heard those, how did that make you feel? It was, it was a lot of emotions to finally see that kidnapping in big, bold letters, which we knew something had happened. But to see the word and also to know that it was indicted through criminal court is a big deal. Did you feel like those charges were severe enough when considering all the pieces you had put together throughout all of this time? No, because we felt like it was more than a kidnapping, but we also just kept telling ourselves that it's early in the case. We're sure that, you know, more charges would come over time with more investigation and information. Yeah, and while her charges, like assault definitely doesn't feel like it covers what at least she is saying she did to Justin, but her bond was really, really high for her charges. She was set at $1 million. And this girl definitely cannot afford 10% of a million dollars at $100,000. Yeah, we were thrilled about the amount. I know at one point her attorney tried to get it lowered. And then the judge essentially said, like, she's a flight risk, you know, with all her priors and the bond is staying exactly the same. And that was that was vindicating. Hey, guys, the holidays are amazing. It is my favorite time of year, but holy crap, it is chaos out here. I went to the store this weekend because clearly I wasn't thinking and it was a complete madhouse. The lines were insane. 
everyone was being a Scrooge and it was just all very unholiday of everyone I seemed to encounter, except for that one really nice lady. Anyway, I've never been more sure that most of my holiday shopping is going to be done online. And frankly, I have found some insane deals, so I'm sticking to it. My favorite deal that I have found is the deal on Raycons. Raycons current sale has their products at up to 50% off. Run, you guys, do not walk. You've heard me talk about Raycon products before, and I will never stop because they're my ride-or-die forever favorite audio brand ever. Their everyday wireless earbuds are my go-to. I'll never buy a different brand. They're affordable, the battery lasts an absurd amount of time, and they are the most comfortable earbuds I have ever worn. I have picky ears, and for whatever reason, a lot of earbuds hurt my ears after a little bit, but my Raycons don't. Raycon first made a name for themselves in the audio space with products like their everyday earbuds, known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features like a 32-hour battery life, absolutely nuts, and a perfect in-ear fit, like I said, for all-day wear and lasting comfort. But Raycon isn't just earbuds. Their five-star reviewed Magic 180 cable allows you to charge iOS, micro USB, and Type-C devices eight times faster with 100-watt power delivery. And their faucet filter ultra filters the water in your tap against chlorine and heavy metals. It is a must-have for ensuring the water you use to wash your face and brush your teeth is, you know, actually clean. Raycon is known for delivering high quality and thoughtful features at half the price of other premium tech brands, so it's no wonder their products have racked up tens of thousands of five-star reviews. To get everyone in the holiday spirit a bit early, Raycon is currently offering 20% off everything on their site with select products up to 50% off. So beat the crowds and save now. Trust me, you do not want to miss out on Raycon sale. Hurry now to buyraycon.com slash bigmad to get 20 to 50% off site-wide. That's buyraycon.com slash bigmad to score up to 50% off Raycon products. Buyraycon.com slash bigmad. Nicole was in court on November 19th, and it was there that we actually learned that Nicole changed her story. Instead of saying that she had stabbed Justin, taken him across state lines, and forced him into the river, she was now claiming that she stabbed him and dropped him off at the intersection of Taylor Boulevard and Longfield Avenue near Churchill Downs. And I'm going to shit all over that for a second here. I almost feel like someone had a chat with her like, are you sure you took him across state lines? Because if you did, that could qualify for federal charges. Are you sure you didn't misremember? However, the new story she came up with definitely sounds like more bullshit than the last because I don't know if everybody remembers, but in 2020, the Kentucky Derby was rescheduled to September 5th. Was she really trying to say that on pregame night of the Kentucky freaking derby where 150,000 people attend. Not a soul noticed a man walking around at the time the bars would be closing after being stabbed. She's fucking nuts. She's a dumb shit. And we hate her. Yeah, like if if you're gonna make up a lie, at least make it a good one. That was even stupider than her first one. She didn't think. Like, (laughs) what? This was so close to Churchill Downs. Justin was somewhat familiar with that area. So let's say for in some alternate reality, that was true. 
why would he not ask to use someone's phone? Why would he not walk into a bar and ask them to call an ambulance? There's so many things that could have happened if that story was true that would have him here with us today. But it's a big fat lie. 100%. And it also kind of changed the demeanor of the crime she originally allegedly confessed to. The first was, I stabbed him, kidnapped him, took him across state lines and forced him into a river. And that just doesn't seem very plausible at all on a bunch of different levels. The second one was, I did this. I put him in the car, drove him a few miles, not too far, and then released him at a place where he could get help, which the first one was, we forced him into a river. He's not getting help if he's in a river. But in this one, she changes the demeanor of the crime where, oh, no, no, no. See, what had actually happened was I, I let him go so that he could go get help. I don't know what happened to him afterward, which, again, sounds absurd. Totally unbelievable. Yeah. And her first alleged confession with forcing him into the river, if Justin was injured but still able-bodied, there's no way that he would have gotten into that river of his own volition. Even if he was being threatened, he would have told him to kiss his butt. He is not going to do that. I mean, even getting him into the car would have been difficult. Yeah, he wouldn't have went in there willingly either. And his phone has never been found. So we can only assume that his phone was on him when all of this happened. And if he was able to get into a car or walk to a river, you would assume that at some point in time, he would have grabbed his phone. Yeah. His phone, I don't know if it was that night, but by the next morning when we were calling his phone, it would go straight to voicemail. So they had to have turned it off. And we have two different confessions here, both of which don't sound really plausible. And it seems like we're kind of on the right track because from what I understand, her cell phone pings tell a totally different story about the path that she took that night. Yeah, it wasn't just hers either. It was hers and Brandon's together. The same path all the way up to Ohio and a weird out of the way path back down to Kentucky. Yeah. So she had originally said she went into Indiana and her phone suggests that she went into Ohio immediately. So first confession, Indiana. Second confession, state in Kentucky. But her phone tells a story of her allegedly going to Ohio all the way up to the shores of Lake Erie and then taking this super weird detour back to the way that she came. But it definitely isn't a map quest set of directions she would have been given. Right. It is off the beaten path for sure. It didn't make sense for them to go that way back down. No, very out of the way. So at the same hearing that we learn about this second confession, WDRB reported that her defense attorney asked for those charges to be fully dismissed due to the prosecution having no evidence that she had taken Justin to either place she had confessed to. No shit. WDRB quoted him as saying, they don't have a body. They don't have a witness. They have some blood spots in a car. They don't know whose even that is yet at all. None. There's a serious question as to this woman walks around at night holding a guy at knife point and nobody sees this. She walks him through the park and nobody sees this. She walks him at Taylor and Longfield and dumps him and nobody sees this. And that is one of the most absurd arguments I think I've ever seen a defense attorney make. We've already analyzed the crap out of both of these stories, and I think we're both in agreement here that we don't believe either of them. And he's using the fact that neither story is believable 
to get her out of being held accountable for what she did. And by the way, this is the first anyone's hearing about blood in her car. I mean, we heard about how she allegedly went to Brandon's work and asked him to clean her trunk, but dude just kind of told on her before the media ever picked that up. Yeah, so that court hearing was probably one of the harder ones we've had to endure so far because, like you said, it was like an asinine Hail Mary defense just because he is being animated and his defense does not (laughs) equate to his defense making any type of sense whatsoever. And we're kind of glad that he did mention something about blood because that is something that we had already known about. It just wasn't public yet. So that was like a little bit of weight lifted off our shoulders that that was now out there. Thankfully, the judge did not budge on any of the crap that was thrown his way as far as trying to get these charges dismissed. And Nicole's case was sent off to the grand jury. A few months passed here without a ton of updates in Justin's case, but on January 15th of 2021 now, the Bullitt County Sheriff's Office posted that they had a warrant for Brandon's arrest and asked that anyone with information about his whereabouts to please contact them. Unfortunately, though, their wanted poster had very little identifying information, and I know that you guys were pretty frustrated about this post. Can you tell me a little bit about that? The Sheriff's Office, when they finally posted the poster about Brandon's warrant. We were super excited that it was finally getting out there, but at the same time, we were disappointed because it was such a terrible photo of him and they didn't have as many details as we would expect for people to be able to recognize who he was based off the photo and the information they added. Now, the post did mention that he had some tattoos. He had Nicole tattooed on the side of his neck because nothing says love like a fucking neck tat. But there is something so much more sinister about his newest tattoo that I think my soul left my body for a second when you told me about it. So please, for the love of everything, tell the listeners why we need to hate Brandon more than we already do. Justin had a lot of tattoos. And one of his tattoos, it was a cross. And when Brandon's new photo was posted, he had the same exact cross tattoo as Justin in the middle of his neck with the words redeemed by the blood. And he got this tattoo after all of this happened. He got this tattoo when he was evading law enforcement, which is even more vile. It's disgusting. We fucking hate Brandon. We fucking hate Brandon. The sheriff's office said that Brandon was known to be in the Portland neighborhood area, which isn't very far from where Justin and he had lived, and was said to be in the company of an unknown white female. And I do have to wonder how Nicole's jailed ass felt about that. I would imagine if I was in jail and my husband was running scot-free and he had a girlfriend that I would be very pissed off. So hopefully she sat in that cell and that ate her up every single day. You would think it would encourage her to fucking flip on this dude, but... She just wants to play the victim. So she wouldn't flip on anything that can make her look like anything, but... Now, there were some super shitty people in the comments of this post who felt like it was their time to be funny. One internet goblin said that y'all were trying if you thought this was a bad picture. And... 
I wanted to light the world on fire when I saw some of these comments. Uh, You were trying to locate your brother and the people you believed might be responsible for whatever happened to him. And people thought it was their time to be fucking funny. There was even a guy who said that the rats were bold these days, shaming the people in the comments who were filling in the blanks that this poster left out, like his height, his weight, any distinguishing markers. What was it like? Because you were active in these comments. You were everywhere that was talking about your brother. What was it like to see shit like this? It was infuriating, to say the least. I have always been so protective of Justin. So I would literally have to sit my phone down and walk away after I read it. Because I know people like that, they're not sympathetic. They don't care what you're going through. They're just going to say what they want to say. And it would have affected me more to try to respond and take up for my brother than it would be to just ignore it. And ignoring it was very difficult. But thankfully, we had other people that, you know, stepped in and helped us with that. So it made me feel a little bit vindicated. Yeah. The people who would say the things that you wish you could say. Right. Exactly. Yeah. It took a couple of months, but on March 16th, the sheriff's office posted another wanted photo for Brandon. And this one had a lot more information in it, like the fact that he was Shrek. Dude is six foot five and 230 pounds. They also said that he wasn't just wanted for tampering, but also for kidnapping and assault, just like Nicole. That coupled with the fact that Nicole's alleged first confession seemed to implicate more than one person in that vehicle. It sounds like police did not think that Nicole did this alone and that Brandon was involved. Yeah. So there was never a moment in time that we ever doubted that Brandon was involved. It's we knew Something had happened. We knew that they had participated together. Yeah, not only did deputies seem to think he was involved, they said that he was armed at the time of the incident and added that firearms had not been recovered. This was all brand new information for the public at this point because they didn't know about the neighbor who had allegedly heard those loud bangs. All anyone knew was that Nicole, allegedly, confessed to stabbing Justin. But why would she do that if Brandon was involved and Brandon is as huge as he is? Especially if Demon Shrek was armed when it happened. And armed can mean anything, but the department said that firearms hadn't been recovered. Was all of this news to you at the time? Or had you started being updated more regularly with information at this point? What was going on? Like, how were you processing all of this coming in? So I think the news of firearms is something that we did not know of. I think this was another instance of us hearing some of those details for the for the first time. I know the main detective that we've been working with for quite a while now, his name is Detective Chris Hill. We love him. We love us some Detective Hill. Everybody needs a Detective Hill. (laughs) Shout out to Detective Hill. He's done such a good job at, you know, keeping communication open with us without telling us too much, you know, so that way the case doesn't get compromised. He tells us just enough to keep us hopeful that things are on the right track and they're going where they need to go. We love him. We love him so much. 
The sheriff's office also said that Brandon knows that he's wanted and was actively eluding police. They said he was still believed to be in the Portland area living in recovery housing. And I'm sure that everyone listening is wondering why in the fuck this dude is so hard to find if he is still in the same neighborhood. So can you give everyone a little bit of insight into why it was so hard to pin this guy down? So unfortunately, Brandon had a lot of help. There were people that would help him, you know, get things that he needed or to move to another location when he wanted to move. This whole in a community kind of had his back because they had all faced, you know, similar struggles together. And I think that they felt like if they turned on him, that it would be breaking some type of like unspoken code, which was so frustrating for us because we knew there were so many people that knew and it felt like nobody was wanting to help us when we were desperately begging for help. I know at one point we had even put in the media that we were offering a reward for information because we became that desperate because nobody was coming forward. Hey guys, when everyone's asleep, I take that peace and quiet and pour my heart and soul into binge watching a good show. Because I'm dedicated to my binge watching, if there's a streaming app, I probably have it. But because of that level of dedication and the fact that I can be a little bit forgetful, I actually wound up with two subscriptions for the same service. This felt like an only me situation, but apparently more than 80% of people have subscriptions that they have forgotten about. But thankfully, Rocket Money is there to point out whoopsies like mine and will even take care of the cancellation process for you. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps you lower your bills all in one place. With Rocket Money, you can easily cancel the ones you don't want with just the press of a button. No more long hold times or annoying emails with customer service. Rocket Money does all the work for you. Rocket Money can even negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%, which we love. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money also lets you monitor all your expenses in one place, recommends custom budgets based on your past spending, and they'll even send you notifications when you've reached your spending limits. With over 5 million users and counting, Rocket Money has helped save its customers an average of $720 a year and $1 billion in total savings so far. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions and manage your money the easy way by going to rocketmoney.com slash bigmad. That's rocketmoney.com slash bigmad. Rocketmoney.com slash bigmad. In April of 2021, WLKY reported that a body had been pulled from the Ohio River near the Portland neighborhood. How did you guys find out about that and what were the next steps there? So we found out about that through social media, people tagging us in it. And that honestly is something that still happens to this day. If there's anything around Ohio or even here in Louisville, people still tag us in those. I know my mom still goes online and looks. 
she's constantly sending me articles and things like that. That breaks my heart. (laughs) It really stinks. Sometimes I have to tell her like, this is saying it's a body and not remains, which three years in is what it would be if he was found. It would be remains. So it's anytime those were sent to us, like you'd get hopeful for just a moment. And then you would think about the location. Well, they weren't there or how long they said, you know, that those remains or that person was there and none of it correlated and matched up with what we knew about Justin's case. So it was a feeling of hopefulness immediately followed by defeat. Now, you guys wound up having to send in DNA for comparison in this particular case, didn't you? Yes. Me, my mom, and DJ, we all went in for our interviews, and they did DNA swabs for each of us. And they also took some of Justin's belongings for DNA purposes as well. And eventually it came out that it was not Justin, correct? Yes. I think it was pretty early on. There were articles of clothing that these people would wear that didn't match up with clothes that we knew Justin would have her wear. So I think we kind of already knew even before DNA came back that it wouldn't be him. How did it feel when it would come back that it wasn't him? It it kind of goes back to that hopeful and defeat. Like I, I always said, like, it sounds so crazy, but maybe maybe the next one will be him. Like, I want it to be him, not because I want the finality of that, but because I want answers and we want to bring him home. I think for my mom, DJ and I, the, one of the hardest parts is not knowing where he is and just thinking about him being in some field, just left there all alone. Uh, that keeps me up at night, just thinking about him being alone or the possibility that he could never be found and he deserves to be in a place of peace and restfulness where his family is. So at this point, you guys did not believe he was alive anymore and actually decided to have a memorial for him. Tell everybody a little bit about why you decided to do this and where you decided to have this memorial. My mom really wanted to have a memorial for him. Um, We did it in Columbia, Kentucky, Adair County. It's where my mom's family is from. Growing up, we would spend a lot of time there. My grandparents did not have any sons. And Justin was like the son that they never had. He would spend extended periods of time there, like weeks and months, staying with my grandparents and taking care of them. And after Justin went missing, they were not in the best of health. My grandma actually passed away in February of 2023. And I think that was kind of my mom's way of helping them get closure before they passed and just to kind of celebrate Justin's life. And we were so shocked by, like, we had felt really supported, you know, throughout the investigation and everything, but the amount of people that drove, you know, two hours to be there for Justin's memorial, like it was completely packed, like standing room in the back. That was really touching for us. We felt so thankful that that many people would, you know, travel that far just to be there to celebrate Justin and to love and uplift us. 
it was something I, I won't ever forget. Some of the videos from that day are the most touching videos I think I've ever seen. There's that blue car. Can you tell everybody a little bit about this blue car? Yes. So that Camaro, my dad actually bought that for Justin, I think when he was in middle school, maybe high school as like an early graduation gift and kind of uh, like a promise of the future. Like if you keep doing your best, like this is going to be yours. And I think Justin ended up dropping out in high school. So he obviously never received that. And my grandfather bought it from him because he was one day going to give it back to Justin. And then when Justin passed, my brother bought it from my grandpa and he is restoring it. He wants to put it in car shows and have information about Justin up, you know, share a story and his life. And that was kind of DJ's way of honoring Justin is to do a big giant burnout <laughs> at the cemetery because Justin would have ate that up. He would have loved that. That car disappeared in that smoke. Disappeared. <laughs> DJ was driving and I was in the passenger seat and I remember like having to hold my breath. It's like the smoke was coming in the window. So April of 2021 was a very, very busy month for you guys. You had the body that was pulled from the river that was not Justin. And Nicole was also indicted. You guys only learned about that afterward, which was absolutely infuriating to hear about. But after she was indicted, her bond was actually lowered and an insane amount, literally a 90% decrease. She went from a $1 million bond to a $100,000 bond, which meant that if she could come up with $10,000, she could get out. Were you there for that hearing? Yes, I think that was still in the COVID era. And I don't think that we were able to be there in person, but we were able to attend through Zoom. We were actually in Gatlinburg, Tennessee. My husband and my mom and me and my children all went, you know, just to kind of get a to get a break and like reconnect. So we were in the master bedroom of the uh, cabin that we had rented watching that. And when you're in the moment and you're listening to the judges and the lawyers talk, like you don't always understand what's going on. You can't always hear everything that we're saying or that they're saying rather. So from what I understand after the fact with the bond lowering is it's not the type of bond where they could put something up or sign something for it. Whatever amount of the bond that was due would have to be in cash only. Okay, so it was a cash bond. So it wasn't as scary as $10,000. No, it was it was still scary because we're like, what if, you know, they do fundraising or family help? So that was still in the back of our mind, that fear. But I think that just trying to stay positive about it is what got us through that part of it. And you guys had a real fear, too. I mean, if she bonded out, you knew that Nicole knew where you lived. Yeah, that's that part is a harder part for me to accept because my mom is such an amazingly strong woman. Like, I don't know how she's been able to, you know, to do this at all. She is still living in the house today where 
she has to see this diver's home every time she walks out her door, every time she looks out her window. And I'm like, how do you, how do you do that? Like, maybe you should, I've tried talking into moving before, like maybe get a fresh start. So that's not always weighing on your mind. And she says that she is not going to let them take her memories of Justin growing up in that home away from her. That that is Justin's home. You guys did get extra cameras, didn't you? We didn't get extra ones. We redid the passwords. We shared the app. I think there's like five or six of us that have it now. So we can access it whenever we want. Because I had a huge fear in the beginning since after Nicole was arrested, Brandon knew where they lived. And that was a huge fear for DJ as well. I think that's one of the reasons that he wasn't able to continue his job he had been at for years at that point, because he was so scared for my mom. He would sit in the garage and just stare at their house just to make sure that you know, Brandon didn't come back or he had problems sleeping and so much anxiety due to that fear that he would come back or that somebody would like finish what they started. I can't even imagine living that as your default. He would stay in that garage all the time. Mom said he barely ever even came in the house for the longest time after. And it took her a little over a year before she could go in Justin's room probably a good two years before she could go to the grocery store without this huge sense of fear and anxiety. Like even if someone went with her, it was still difficult. To this day, she still can't be in like a huge social environment without feeling like she has to leave like soon after because it's everything is still so overwhelming. Those fears and those anxieties we all still live with them every day. I think it's important for people to hear about how, as true crime consumers, we listen to a case and we take it all in and we have big feelings. But these are people's real lives and these crimes span forever. The families of crime victims have a life sentence, like you told me in a previous conversation. You guys have a life sentence. This will impact every single day for the rest of your life. Every single day. And it it affects for me to how I raise my kids. I've always been very protective. Like, say, if we're at the store, they have to be in the basket or right by the basket. And now I'm just so anxious about even being in public. I don't get into the the car until I see that they're in the car because I'm just like, well, what if someone comes up beside and snatches them? Like, if they're on the other side of the car, what if somebody you know, they're standing at the end of the aisle when I'm on the opposite end and they snatch them there. Like it affects every aspect and it gives you new fears and new perspective that are really difficult to maintain. It takes a lot out of you. Even when you try to, you know, think positively or just be a little cautious. Don't be too much. I am way too much as a parent. And you're not, you're perfect, but keep going. (laughs) Thank you. I don't know. It's changed. It changes your life in the worst ways. When you're met with the worst of society, the worst case scenario of a person's capable behavior, I think it's hard to not almost expect that out of everyone. Yeah. 
because you're like, well, I can't, these people he thought were their friends. Like, can I trust people that I know? Sometime between May or mid-July of 2021, you notice something strange about Justin's YouTube account. Yes. So my older son had made his YouTube account and I was going on there one day to watch his videos. And when you're logging on from an iPhone with a YouTube app, it shows you who's online at the top. It's like a little ribbon. And Justin's account showed the little green button that he was online. And it was like that for months. There were so many times that I would get on there randomly throughout the day to check it. And it was that light showed that he his account was online for months. Now, we don't know the status of this, but I know that you asked Detective Hill to check into it. We don't know if they tried to geolocate, if somebody may have logged into his phone or charged it back up and turn it back on. But I mean, that's definitely something to look into. Yeah, especially since his phone had never been turned back on. That's that's just very strange. This podcast is sponsored by Smalls. Hey guys, the holiday season is officially here. And while it's great to get gifts for people you love, it's also a really great time to give back to those less fortunate. And I'm not just talking about people in need, but cats too. You know how much I love my floof brigade and the thought of animals out there not having what they need hurts my entire soul. Giving back when you can is something that is so important to me, which is just one of the many reasons I love our next sponsor, Smalls. Small's cat food is protein-packed and made with preservative-free ingredients you would find in your fridge, and it's delivered right to your door. You can adjust or cancel anytime, easily skip payments, switch up recipes, and add on goodies based on your cat's preferences and needs. My cats are obsessed. Small's started way back in 2017, which honestly wasn't that long ago, by a bunch of regular old wholesome dudes cooking small batches of cat food in their kitchen for their friends. And a few short years later, they have served millions of meals to cats around the world, mine being five of them. After making the switch to Smalls, 78% of cat owners reported their cats had shinier, softer fur, and 90% reported overall health improvements, which is a pretty big deal. Let me tell you guys, I am the momentary queen of the kitty kingdom when I open our Smalls packages. Don't tell Princess that I said that, but it brings all the cats to the yard or mudroom, whatever you want to call it. And for a moment, I am floof royalty. Their favorite flavor is literally called bird because frankly, cats can't read and don't care if it's a chicken or a turkey. In summary, a world without Smalls isn't one my cats are interested in at all. And if I didn't already love Smalls enough, they recently kicked off a partnership with the Humane Society where they've donated over a million dollars worth of food to help cats. I love this so much. They even give you a chance to donate at checkout, whether you can donate $3 for treats, $5 for vaccines, or $7 for spaying or neutering. 
Is your cat food giving back to cats in need? Smalls is, so if you want to give Smalls a try and ditch kibble forever, head to smalls.com slash bigmad and use promo code bigmad at checkout for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. That's the best offer you'll find, but you have to use my code BIGMAD for 50% off your first order. One last time, that's promo code BIGMAD for 50% off your first order plus free shipping. In July of 2021, Nicole was back in court and Wave 3 wrote an article stating that the prosecution was waiting on results of a blood spatter. Did you guys ever get those results back? We got the results back from evidence in their garage as well as their trunk. And I forget the exact percentage, but it was astronomical. Is basically because you can never say one hundred percent. That's not the way those tests work. But it was like over ninety nine point nine percent sure that that blood matched Justin's. So there's no explaining that away. No. In August of 2021, Nicole was back in court again, and this time her attorney argued that she should be let out on house arrest, which is a really strange ask considering wasn't she evicted? Yes. And her family lived in Ohio, correct? They did. So I don't know how they expected anybody to approve her for house arrest when she had no home and her family was out of state. And we have to consider the fact that if you're released, they take into account whether or not you're a flight risk. And she's literally the definition. It seemed like obviously this wasn't going to happen. And spoiler alert, she was not released on house arrest. But when you were at these court hearings and hearing these arguments, was there always a small part of you that was just in complete fear that maybe this time the argument would work and she would be let out? Yeah, that was always a huge fear. So on top of our emotions, physically seeing her in person, that's an indescribable feeling. You are angry and heartbroken and all these things. And then you still have to consider like, maybe this doesn't go the way that we want it to. And what are we going to do if she gets out? I hate it. I hate it. September 4th of 2021 marked one year since Justin went missing. What was that day like for you? Oh my gosh. My head started watering. So since my son's first birthday would be September 7th, mom and I decided to try to break the day up a little bit. We had Cooper's first birthday party on September 4th. That way we already knew all of our family would be there. The day wouldn't be as heavy, or at least we wanted it to not be as heavy. And then after his birthday party, we did a vigil for him. Family and friends stayed from the party. Some of his friends spoke. We played some songs that reminded us of Justin. My mom tried to read something that she had written, but she she wasn't able to get through it. And then I spoke. We lit candles and listened to another song. And we just all told stories about Justin. I heard a story, I believe it was that night, back when Justin and I were in elementary school. And Justin was always a very small boy. 
he ended up having to take a, a growth hormone shot to help him grow because he was so undersized. But there's a, a, a boy that sat on the bus next to me and I was told that Justin literally grabbed this boy by the shirt and was like, if you ever sit next to my sister again, I'm going to kick your ass. And this boy was like two or three times the size of him when he was like in grade school. But that just goes to show like how protective he was of, of me. There's no doubt that he was one of the most loyal people on this planet. Yeah, that's that's the most used word when we ask people to describe Justin as loyal. And not just to you guys, but his friends as well. I mean, you said it before, if you knew him, you loved him, but he loved you just as much back, if not more. Yeah. He did. You guys waited what felt like forever for Nicole's pre-trial date, and it finally came in December of 2021. And you guys got ready, prepared yourself for everything you might hear in this hearing. And then tell everybody what happened next. We were going to go to court that day for Nicole's pre-trial. And our luck, the power went out. It ended up being rescheduled to later in December. But it's just like one of those things that you have to deal with where I talk about the wheels turning slow. This is, you know, something that gets thrown on that track and slows it down. Thankfully, the judge did deny lowering her bond again, and she was finally given a trial date for March of 2022. You've mentioned to me before that it's really important to you to go to every single court hearing you possibly can. Tell everybody why that is. It's important for my mom, my brother, and I, we want to be a united front. We never want to miss a hearing. We want to remind them every day that Justin had a family that loved him and that we are not going to stop fighting and showing up for him. When you go into that courtroom, like I want them to look me in my eyes. Like I want them to see the emotion on my face. Not that it matters because they have no souls, but it makes me feel better for them to know that I'm there front row every single time and I'm always going to show up. My mom is always going to show up. DJ is always going to show up because we love Justin. By the following month, so January of 2022 now, the sheriff's office was still looking for Brandon and acknowledging that he was still going to NA meetings. It wasn't until February of 2022, the same day that you made this really incredible post that we're going to talk about in a minute, that you made another post that Brandon was finally arrested. And even though Nicole's bond had been lowered to 100,000, Brandon's was set at 1 million. And in his mugshot, he looked like a, a murder, murder potato. potato. How did you guys find out about his arrest? When he was arrested, Detective Hill actually called me. He said he wanted us to hear it first. I don't fully remember the phone call because I know that I screamed in that poor man's ear and I blacked out. And I vaguely remember him telling me details. You know, Brandon, he didn't like try to run like he was like crying and upset, but it, overall it was like a calm apprehension. And I live about 40 minutes from my mom and DJ right now. So I remember like getting into the car and driving to my mom's house. I called DJ and I'm like, I need you to be at home. I need you to make sure nobody's there. Like I really have to talk to you. 
So I sat DJ down and I was like, they got him. They got him. And he's like, oh my gosh. He like jumped up. He's like, you know, come here, give me a hug. And we're like hugging and crying. And he's like, we got to call mom. I'm like, no, no, we can't tell her this over the phone. Like we have to go to our work. We're going to tell her in person. He's like, get in the fucking truck. Let's go. Like we were just all over the place. And then when we got to mom's work, I feel like she kind of knew something was up because we were both together. So she was on the phone and I'm like, go, can you get off the phone? Like, I, I really need to talk to you, which I didn't think it out very well because I felt like that kind of gave it away. And I didn't even have to say it. She was like, no, no, they got them. They got them. And she's like, she's yelling. And then she starts crying. And it was such a feeling of like, just overwhelming elation. Like we did not know what to do with ourselves. What did you wind up doing with yourself? What did the rest of that day look like? Well, I think mom had to stay at work. Oh, um, no. I know. So me and uh, I drove DJ to mom's work. So I took him back to mom's house and he and I celebrated because we always said that anytime something big or good happens in the case that we would have a drink of Justin's favorite Crown Royal whiskey. And it was a bottle that Justin had had. So we went back to mom's house and we each had a drink and we just sat around talking, talking shit (laughs) for a little bit and just telling stories and, you know, just kind of reveling in that moment. Brandon and Nicole are both in jail at this point, and you guys are just waiting for the wheels of justice to finally turn, which thankfully it seems like they are. But in July of 2022, you guys posted that Brandon and Nicole's attorneys requested a family mediation. And this was the first time I've heard of anything like this. And I know you can't talk a ton about it. But from what I understand, it's basically where they want to chat with you guys about possibly coming up with a deal that you can all agree on, right? That's correct. And you guys had one big ask if you were going to make a deal at all. What was that ask? All that we've ever wanted is to know where Justin is. Above all else, that is our number one priority. And Chrissy can't talk about what happened in that meeting. However, I can tell you that no deal was made. So you can fill in the blanks of how that went. For the months following that, it kind of felt like everything was at a standstill. There weren't many updates coming out. Was that because both of the demons were in custody or were there possibly more serious charges coming out in the future? Yeah. So I think at this point, we weren't getting many updates because they were tying up loose ends, finishing everything in the investigation, because I think it was their plan to, you know, tack a more serious charge onto their three current charges. And did they ever wind up doing that? They did. As of right now, they have both been indicted on capital murder. (gasps) Stop it. How did you feel when you got that news? We were so excited. It felt like it was a long time coming. And I don't know. It's one of those things you can't really put into words because it's something you've been waiting for for so long. Was there a part of you where it was better, but it was worse? Yes and no, because in our hearts, we've known that's what happened. So I think it was nice for us to realize that the law was catching up to our thoughts and the investigation was catching up to where we had been the entire time. Yeah. 
that's such a tough thought to process. There was a case that I recently did, and this detective said something that I honestly want to repeat all the time in cases. You guys know Justin better than anyone, and you can see through the lines. I don't even know if that's an actual saying, but you're putting all these pieces together and you know something bad happened. And when you see everything that the police find, you know what happened. So this detective, he was kind of responding to a bunch of people that were like, why hasn't this guy been charged yet? And he said that if we charged everyone based on feelings, we would have a lot of people in jail, but not a lot of people getting convicted. I was like, oh my gosh, you are so right. And I can't imagine being a victim's family member and having to deal with that waiting process because you know, and I'm sure the police know as well, but it's getting to the point where they can press these charges and are confident that if these demons decide to invoke their right to a speedy trial, that they already have their ducks in a row because I can't think of a worse scenario where they charge Nicole and Brandon with fucking murder. And I feel like we've all been waiting for this moment. And they decide to invoke their right to a speedy trial. And we find out that the sheriff's department was totally unprepared by the time that they charged them, that they thought they'd have more time. Everything's disorganized now. They have a super weak case. And now it goes to trial and they get acquitted. I feel like there's no worse fucking scenario at this point. You are so confident in the detective who put this case together. You, I mean, Detective Hill hung the moon. I asked, I wrote the moon. The moon wrote back, Detective Hill hung it. Yeah, so Detective Hill is so special to us. And the beginning of this case, I was so worried that it would stay like that forever. But Detective Hill, he really is a type of detective that you would want on your case. If you love someone or you need answers, he's made us feel like a priority. He has become like family to us. And we are constantly thanking him. And he says, hey, don't thank me till it's over. It's it's not over. But it when it is, then, then we'll have this talk. If it wasn't for him, I don't think this case would, would be where it's at. We love him. And we're thanking him now. And you had a really great experience with your PI too, right? Yes. Our PI has been there from the very beginning. I don't know if she wants me to say her name, so I'm just going to give her a shout out. I just want to thank her for also making us feel like a priority in any question, any time of day or night that I would call her. She was always there. So thank you. We love her too. We do. Right now, everything is basically kind of in a waiting game stage. They've both entered their pleas, correct? Yes, they have both pled not guilty. Yeah, we're not surprised about that, but this doesn't seem like it's going to go well for them, which is great for us. We love that for them. We do love we, that. We love that for them. And from what I understand, Kentucky is a death penalty state. How do you feel about that? So we all have pretty mixed feelings about it. I think initially we were so angry that we were all for it. But after talking with the prosecution more, I don't think the prosecution was totally on board with it. And I don't think that we are either necessarily. In my opinion, I think death would be too easy for them. And I know it sounds terrible to say, but I want them to get convicted. I want them to spend their whole life in jail and suffer there. 
I don't think that sounds terrible at all. Your definition of horrible things to say is very different from mine. I want them to spend their lives alone in jail. And then when their life here on earth ends, I want them to suffer for the rest of eternity for what they've done to my brother and our family. Your mom is also not for the death penalty. That's correct. Because your mom is the world's most amazing human. She is such a peaceful, forgiving person. It's not to say that she has forgiven anyone for what they have done, but she seems to be the kind of woman that even though they hurt her in a way that's immeasurable, she's better than them. She is so much better than them. Yes. The no-brainer, but... Her whole look on it is two wrongs don't make a right. You can't let what they've done make you bitter because you being bitter doesn't bother them at all. It hurts you. So you can't let that hate in your heart because it doesn't affect them. It only affects you and the people around you, which I thought was really profound. She's amazing. The mothers of... Violent crime victims tend to be some of the strongest, most peaceful people I have met in a way that I can't accurately put into words. Just have seen more than any human should see and find a way to find beauty in life and have this kind of peace and rationale about them that can only be achieved through unimaginable trauma. Yeah. I think my mom's faith has helped her a lot too because she knows. In her heart, she says all the time, like, justice will be served, whether it's in this life or the next, they'll get their justice. And it's not up to us to decide how that works. She's super involved in her church, right? Yes. And they've played a big role in supporting her throughout this process? They really have. They have been so amazing and supportive. I've been with her a few times, and they always tell the congregation, like, hey, they're in attendance today. This is what's happened. This is what's coming up in the case. Like, let's pray for them. And I, I really think that has helped my mom tremendously. It's It gives her comfort in a way that she can't get anywhere else. I love that so much. Her little village. It is her village. Is there a trial date set yet? Yes. So there have been many set, but the last time we had court, the judge said that it has been continued way too many times. So, And is this a trial for the assault charges or is this a trial for the murder charges? Because the murder charges were this year, right? Yes. We still don't know what they're going to do. We don't know if it's going to be all of them, the first three or the last one. I think they're kind of waiting till a little bit closer to see if Brandon will roll on the call. Yeah, good call. Oh, and you had mentioned earlier, it made me think of it when you said that your mom says that, you know, me being bitter doesn't bother them. It reminded me of some discussions that we have had about the differences in behavior when it comes to Nicole and Brandon. Do you feel like one has a bigger chance of rolling on the other? I do. I feel like, I mean, they're both evil. Yes. <laughs> Anyone that we've talked to about them not one single person has ever had a good thing to say about Nicole. And it was kind of the opposite for Brandon about how they never would have expected this from him. So I definitely think that if either one of them were remorseful, it's Brandon. But I think Nicole is going to hold on to her victim mentality for the rest of her life. And nothing is ever going to be her fault for as long as she lives. Yeah, I think 
you mentioned locking eyes with him or something at one court hearing and just seeing maybe like a little remorse in his eyes. Yeah, definitely. I don't know if it was sadness because he's in jail and probably miserable or if that's actually the hearing that I had to go to by myself when my grandma was really sick. So I don't know if he felt bad that I was there by myself or what, but I definitely saw some type of emotion, not just in his eyes, but on his whole face that I had not seen before. I think it's really cool that you're sharing all of this too, because once again, it's this insight into everything that you guys have to go through in dealing with all of this. And, you know, you're seeing these people when you go to court and it's got to be impossible to not try and analyze every single second, every hand movement, every facial movement, every possible emotion, their tone, their body language, everything. Yeah, it it is impossible. Sometimes you go in and you're just, I'm going to take this for face value, what it is, and then you just can't stop looking at them through the whole time. So Nicole just acts like we're not there. I, I can't recall a time that she's ever looked at us. And if she has, I think my mom said she caught her eye before and it was just like a dead stare, like no emotion, nothing. And Brandon has been the opposite. If he looks our way, you see that emotion, you see his fear. And I think he is remorseful but that doesn't mean anything to us unless he is willing to do something to try to make up for what he's done. And to us, that is telling the truth and telling us where Justin is. And not just for our sake, but he has children, you know, and I think it would be really important. Both of them do. That's insane to me. Yeah, I think it would be really important for their kids growing up like knowing what their parents have done to show remorse and take accountability and do what they can to right their wrong. I wonder if part of the reason they held out for so long is because their charges were always for assault and tampering and kidnapping. And they worried that if they told you where Justin was, they would open themselves up to murder charges. I wonder if now that they're facing those murder charges, if there's more of an incentive to tell you where he is in order to negotiate something with a prosecution. Yeah, that's definitely what we're hoping for right now. I know our next trial is scheduled, pre-trial is scheduled for December 11th of 2023. And as of right now, we still don't know what the trial will be for. If it'll be for the first charges or the capital murder or all of them. And I think the prosecution is kind of just waiting to see what will happen in the time leading up to it, because we are still really hoping and praying that one of them will try to make a deal by telling us where Justin is. Chrissy, thank you so much for coming on here and being so raw and vulnerable and transparent with all of your feelings and everything you guys have had to endure this entire time and for sharing Justin with the world and letting everyone know who he was and why so many people care about him and love him and always will. Do you want to share with everybody why this was so important for you to do? Yeah, I feel like it was so important for me to do because I I just really wanted to honor my brother because I don't feel like when he was here, 
I told him how much I loved him as much as he deserved to hear it. So I feel like this is the least that I can do to not only let him know how special he was to me, but to let the world know what an amazing person Justin was. Well, I don't think there's any question at this point of how amazing he was and how much you love him. From the second I met you, it was wildly obvious. There wasn't a second in time in this entire process that you sat and waited and did nothing. I mean, I would hope that if anything ever happened to me, I had a sibling like you who immediately knew something was off and who immediately advocated for me. I mean, you took notes. The detective has told you how important your role has been in all of this. You are so organized, so well-spoken, so driven. Like You are more than half the reason that he is getting the justice he's getting. For photos pertaining to this case, check out Justin's highlight at the top of my Instagram profile at the Heather Ashley, and join me there today at noon Eastern where you go live with me and we talk about today's case and all other true crime cases on your mind. To get ad-free and bonus episodes, subscribe to our Apple Premium or head over to our Patreon at patreon.com slash bigmadtruecrime, where for just two whole dollars a month, your episodes are totally ad-free. And Spotify just started a whole thingy with Patreon. So if you listen on Spotify, you should be able to see the Patreon banner there and listen to your Patreon episodes on Spotify now and not in the Patreon app. If you love this podcast, feel free to leave a review. It makes my day every single time. And if you have a case you'd like to hear covered, share it with Big Mad True Crime on social media because all cases are covered by a listener request. I'll be bringing you a brand new case next week and I cannot wait. But until then, we out. And instead of doing a hot take today, you are getting a blooper reel because Chrissy loves the bloopers. Sorry. Oh, mom. I know that he said he couldn't cuss. I think I was like, fuck that guy. And you were like, yeah, fuck that guy. And I was like, oh, man. <laughs> f- him right to hell. <laughs> Piece of. <laughs> we're going to have to cut that too, Kyle. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> our T's were dotted. Our eyes were crossed. <laughs> like, we f- <laughs> in my head, I'm like, don't we were up, keeping don't that up. in there. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> our T's were dotted and our eyes were crossed. I swear, I was like, I was thinking about what I was going to say, and I'm like, say this, just don't. <laughs> oh my gosh, I do that all the time. Oh my God. Cross your eyes and dot your T's. Lord help me. Oh. <laughs> okay, so just understand my cadence and then come in when I do it. Okay. Like read my mind. Uh, <laughs> oh, shit. Okay. Oh shit, my bad. No, I told you to read my mind. Okay. Go pee. Yes, that way we don't forget. And our CDs don't skip. From peeing? <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> but yeah, back to what we were talking about. Why are you sweating? I was watching cops. One, two, three. I rotated my tires once a long time ago, but I don't think that's a life skill that's stuck with me.
I won't ever do it again. <laughs> I just want to be at the age where I'm allowed to take naps and accept it and someone will cook my food for me. Like, I'm cool with wiping my own butt and everything. I just want to take naps and have food cooked for me again. Dun, 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 dun. dun, dun.